How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time. So, I was sitting here thinking about, you know, I want to do a video for Instagram. I haven't done one in a while. And uh, what can I talk about? So, I've been running through my mind a bunch of different topics and uh, and stuff. So, um, one question came up in my mind that I've been asked a, a number of times is... Can I be a Christian and believe in evolution? Uh, do I have to believe in the biblical account of creation to be a Christian, for example? So, I, I've answered this one a few times, and uh, I decided to just, let's just talk about this. Now, the topic, the idea of evolution and the Bible is quite controversial, and there's tons and tons and tons and tons of content out there. Books, videos, YouTube videos, everything out there, conferences, tons of stuff out there, big debates by all kinds of different names, talking about evolution in the Bible. And uh, so let's just consider just a few things about this. Now, how to approach evolution... It, just like how you would for any other belief system in the world, that you need to understand what it is. You need to research it. You need to educate yourself about it. And because, like for example, uh, Buddhists and Seventh Day Adventists are massively different, but they're both a false religion, and you and you need to know the differences between them. You can't conflate the two. So. Evolution, actually, there the, to educate yourself properly, there are actually uh, two different forms and that you need to understand. There's macroevolution and microevolution. So you can't conflate those two either as they are different. So, for example, Macroevolution is the Darwinian Dr. Seuss nonsense that the crocodile laid an egg and the duck crawled out, that the 10-pound bass can turn into a cow. That's macroevolution, that the fish turns into an amphibian, which turns into a reptile, which turns into the monkey, which turns into the man. That's macro-Darwinian evolution. That's Dr. Seuss nonsense. Microevolution is what is known as speciation within a kind, like all the different types of dog breeds. How uh, you can get all the different dog breeds. Darwin's finches, actually, uh, that they use as evidence for uh, for evolution. Well, that's microevolution. That's speciation, but they stayed finches. Those those finches of Darwin's did they they didn't become hummingbirds or bald eagles or ten pound bass. They stayed finches. So micro <clears throat> excuse me, microevolution is also known as speciation of a kind. Where in the dog breeds you get all the different types of dogs, but they stay dogs. They don't become cats. Okay, so when you're talking with someone about evolution, you also want to uh, make sure to clarify the specifics of what are they referring to, uh, the macro or the micro. <clears throat> now, if by chance they happen to be meaning and, uh, and leaning towards the Dr. Seuss evolution of macro evolution, where they believe that, that uh, fish can become monkeys, 
if you give it enough time. Okay, this is what they're addressing, and, and now you know where to go with this. <clears throat> okay, so let's back up. Macroevolution ult ultimately has um, also a couple different approaches. Uh, that there is the, the clock watch god theory, where they believe that there is a god, theistic evolution, that they believe that there is a god. It's more deism than anything, uh, where they believe he's up there, but you can't really know him. That God made everything, and they kind of wound the clock, and then just set it aside, and just watched, and let it let it just go. That's theistic evolution. And then there's the uh, no God, and not so much as anti-God, against God, but just that there's no God, and that everything just evolved, everything just came into existence. Okay, so which one of those are you referring to? Well, theistic evolution obviously isn't true because, well, God has been very personal and, and involved with his, all of his creation since the moment he made it. So the clockwatch God theory is out the window. And uh, also you have the no God theory of evolution. Well, that's just stupid because, well, okay, let's take, let's take, let's take a look at this. <clears throat> The no-god theory of macroevolution says that all matter just came out of nothing. Okay, Richard Dawkins, Lawrence Krauss, Sam Harris, St uh, the late Stephen Hawking, the late Christopher Hitchens, uh, they all are... Some of them were no, no longer, but uh, they're big advocates of the nihilistic model that there is absolutely, utterly nothing, that the black, literal, empty void of nothing made matter, that matter, something came out of nothing. Okay, how long does the bottle, the vacuum sealed bottle have to sit there until matter just boink appears? Uh, that doesn't make sense, but that's what they say. They say that there was nothing and that the nothing made something. Richard Dawkins is a big advocate of this. Okay, let's take a look at this. Okay, in in the beginning, I guess, there was nothing, and then all of a sudden matter just appeared by magic out of nowhere, and it exploded for no reason and this exploded magic matter just exploded across the uh, the, uh, the universe, and all the rocks started banging around. And these banging rocks, this is literally what they teach, believe it or not, uh, these banging rocks banged around and created enough friction that they created a sun. And the third rock from the, from the sun uh, was banging around and developed enough heat somehow that it developed an atmosphere. And this atmosphere started raining acid rain on the rocks. They actually teach this, folks. And it started raining acid rain on the rocks and melted the rocks into stone soup. And this magic stone soup somehow magically created spawned cells that somehow magically started splitting and, and growing with enough light and food and oxygen and everything it needed. Both male and female magically just appeared out of this, uh, this soup. And they, they turn into amoebas and turn into larger creatures and then turn into fish that turn into frogs that were like, I want to walk on land. So they crawled up on the land and became a reptile. And like, I want fur now. So it turned into a monkey and somehow, I guess, got struck by lightning and blew its fur and tail off and became a man. That's macroevolution.
and they say there's no God. Well, let's look at some other aspects of this too. If if evolution is true, okay, let's hypothetically just let's just look at this whole argument. If evolution is true, then that means you got death before sin. I don't know about you, but when I read the word of God, God who cannot lie, he says, death did not occur till after sin fell. You can't, you can't have death and corruption and mutation before sin. See, that's ultimately the, the big problem here, is you're contradicting the very nature of the word of God. You got death and corruption before sin. Uh, that doesn't work. And let alone that they're adding to the word of God when they see the, the days of creation, for example. Uh, they say, well, each day actually, each day was thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of years. Okay, how are you getting that? Because it doesn't say that. It says the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. It says days, not eons, not millenniums. It doesn't say hundreds of years. It says days is what it says. Well, but the Bible says a day is a thousand years and thousand years is as a day. Okay, true, it does say that in another passage, but when you actually do the study... And you do look at the actual context of what it's referring to. It's referring to the very uh, person of God and how He observes time. That this is actually an ar uh, this is actually archaic language to help describe how one is outside of the very realm of time. That with God, as God is outside of time. With God, and when he looks at this, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. That's what that means. To him, where he is, what he is doing, and how he sees and how he is involved, that's what that's meaning. Now, in the creation account of Genesis, what the, the focus is not in the where, where God is, but rather it's where his working is. On earth. So on earth, it's a day. Like how we know a day. It's not a thousand years or a million years or whatever. So the gap theory, gap theory, it says that within each day of creation, there's a big gap of time. No, gap theory falls apart. Because gap theory is the attempt to mesh evolution with the Bible. That doesn't work either. So next we want to take a look at, okay, now why? Why do you want to believe in evolution? Because you can't believe that what the Bible says is true? You, you, you can't just believe that God is able to make everything like how Scripture describes? Well, but the creation account is, is metaphorical. Really, is that why it uses literal language? It doesn't use, you know, parable-type language. It doesn't use uh, made-up metaphorical language. It uses literal language. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How? He spoke, and it was. Did you know that the creation account actually is an Old Testament picture of the gospel? Did you know that? 
that the creation story of the of the book of Genesis is actually as God often does he has the he has the actual message and then he has the practical where he actually demonstrates and shows it like for example Jesus says I'm the resurrection and the life and then he resurrects Lazarus from the dead and then we see where, where in the beginning God created God spoke the word of God begat life the word of God begat life. How did God create everything? By speaking. And the word, which is God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And what did he do? He gave us life. He gave us life. Out of the darkness, he begat light. So we see so many pictures there and correlations from uh, the creation account to the gospel presentation, the gospel message. Okay, so the next big issue you have with macroevolution, Darwinian evolution, and the Bible is, okay, you're, you're ultimately calling God a liar. That's ultimately what you're doing. Because we see in Scripture where God says, God talks about His Word, His Word is preserved unto all generations. And then we see in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, meaning it's not open to personal interpretation. What it says is what it means. And that God spoke to his holy servants and told them what to write. And God spoke to Moses and told Moses to write the first five books of the Bible. God told him how it happened and how it all was. Was God lying? Then, is God lying about the creation account? When, because he told Moses to write this down. He says, Moses, this is how I did it. This is how I made everything. Moses, would you please write this down? Was God lying? Because we also see in Scripture where the psalmist writes, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Okay, question. How high and holy are the names of God? How high and holy are the names of God? How high and holy is the, his word then? He says he's magnified his word above his very name. Give that some thought. If you're calling into question the word of God, you then have to call into question the very names of God. Okay, the next thing we want to take a look here as an example. All right. When it comes to evolution, it comes to the Word of God. When it comes to all these things, you got to look at origin of stuff. Where did the evolutionary model and all this stuff come from? When you look at all the different depictions of the evolutionary arguments and things, it came from minds of people who hate God and don't want there to be a God in general. You know, just give that some thought. And here's one other thing to consider. I'll end, I'll end it with this one. Because we could go on forever with all of the arguments. I just want to do just a quick talk just on this. Just to give you some information, some arguments, and some things to consider. When God made all things... You see, because when the scientist grabs the rock and grabs the artifact or whatever, and he, and he dates it and, and by their different carbon datings or whatever, they say, this, this proves it. It's billions of years old. It's 5.3267 million billion years old or whatever. Okay. And their numbers are always different. No two scientists can ever agree on the date of anything. There's also something else to consider.
But how come when they grab rocks, it always says it's millions and millions of years old or whatever? Hmm. Well, first off, carbon dating carbon. The, the rocks aren't made of carbon. Uh, carbon is biomatter. And biomatter expires after about 10,000 years. So how can you test for biomatter residue when it goes beyond 10,000 years? That's just a question. But anyways, um, God made all things with the appearance of age. When God made the world and made all things and he made Adam when Adam first stepped out from the trees and he saw the horizon and he saw everything for the first time it looked old the mountains looked ancient to Adam the trees were full grown they weren't saplings or seeds they weren't little the animals weren't fetuses laying around. They were full-grown, matured. Everything was made with age. Everything was made with age, with the appearance of age. So when God spoke in, in those days of creation, and he made it, and he let, let the waters bring forth the dry land, and the dry land came up, and there's the mountains and all this stuff, they looked really old and ancient. But were they? No, they were only a few days old. God made all things with the appearance of age. So is it possible that when the scientist is grabbing a rock and it says it's millions of years old, that, that that's just what they're seeing is just the creation of God. Because when God made it, he made it the appearance of age. Is it not possible that he could have made it so that it could look like it was about that old? Just some thoughts. And, here, and I said I would end it with there, but here's one, one more bonus, a bonus thought. One, here's one thing that a lot of people struggle with, that if the world isn't billions of years old, then how come when you look out into space, space does exist, the Bible talks about ro roving planets, wandering planets, stars and constellations, space is not a lie. All right, but when we take a look at what the Bible says about stars and constellations and planets, all right, that a lot of people struggle with, okay, if the world isn't billions of years old, then how come we can see the light from the stars? Because it would take millions of years for the light to get from the stars to the planet, right? Right? Or no? What does the Bible say? God made the light first. And furthermore, we see in, uh, in Psalms and Isaiah, when it talks about uh, different depictions of this, it says that God made everything, all the stuff of the, of the galaxies, and all, it made, made all the stuff of the universe, he made all the stuff, and then the language uh, that, that, that is used in the Hebrew means, as a painter spreading paint on a canvas, God spread out the heavens. God spread out the heavens. So when he made everything, he already made the light. And he says he separated the light from the darkness. As he had made all the stars and all the stuff right here, and he spread it all out. It's the great spread, not the great bang. Not the big bang. It's the big spread. God spread it all out. That's why when you look out into the universe, you can still see the motion of the universe, the momentum of the universe. You can see everything is still moving from the initial spread that God did. So it didn't take the light millions of years to get to earth. The light was already here and the stars were already here and then God spread it out. That's what the scriptures say.
That's what it says. And the Bible talks about wandering planets. It talks about wandering stars. The Bible talks about constellations. The Bible talks about all forms of science and mathematics and astronomy and biology and the details. The, the book of life in which all of our members are written. What's that? DNA. How in the world would they know about DNA when they wrote the Bible? That's because God told them about it. So, is it important to believe in the creation account in young earth creationism? Yes, because it's biblical. Because otherwise, you're only left with one other option. Calling God a liar. It's either you believe the Bible, or you don't. To cherry pick the Bible, say, okay, uh, I don't know if I can believe in that. Oh, I can believe in that. Uh, oh, yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that. I can believe that. No, I don't know about that one. Well, I don't know about that. You're, you're believing a God of your own imagination. And you're not believing the God of the Bible. God is the God of the whole scriptures. And what he says, he did, this is truth. What it says is what it means. God is literal. God is specific. God is able. Well, I don't know if I could believe, you know, about Adam and Eve and that Eve was made out of Adam's rib. That's a bit of a stretch. Are you saying God can't do that? That's what you're saying. You're saying God couldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. You know God better than the Bible does. Really? Because you can't see how it's possible, therefore it's not true. You're believing your imagination, your own opinions and feelings over the written word of God, which God preserves unto all generations. Though the grass withers and the flowers fade, his word will stand forever. His word is above his very name. Not one jot, not one tittle, shall always pass from the word of the law to all be fulfilled. So you're saying that God is a liar, God failed, God didn't keep his word, and that it's not true, it's full of contradictions. You believe a God of your own imagination, you don't believe the God of the Bible. Your God is a confused, made-up, twisted, ignorant, uneducated God. Your God is not able. Your God is limited and not able to do the things that Scripture says. That's what you're saying. So here's the question I'm going to end this with. So is it important to believe in Genesis, the Genesis account of creation, to be a Christian? Well, creationism is not salvationary. Let's just put it that way. Creationism is not salvationary. But here's the thing. Christian means Christ follower. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. They were called Christians first at Antioch. So that's what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Christ. Okay, well, what, who is, what is the Christ? Well, to him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. Jesus is the, the, the Christ, the fulfillment of the prophecies of the coming Christ Messiah that the prophets said will be born of a virgin, be born in Bethlehem. He'd be called the mighty God. Jesus is... The Word, which is God that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, Almighty God manifested in the flesh. So, how can you say you follow Jesus of Scripture, you believe in Jesus of Scripture, Lord God Almighty manifested in the flesh, uh, Jesus of Scripture, and not believe what he said he did, not believe in the things that he did and that he said and that he taught and that he gave? How can you say you follow him and you're a disciple of him, you're a believer in him, if you don't actually believe in him?
landed with that one. So there you, there you go, folks. So yes, it's very, very important to believe in all of Scripture. God did everything that he said he did. Genesis is literal. It's not metaphorical. What the Bible talks about from Genesis to Revelation is true. Now the things that aren't true, for example, like certain parables, they're explained as they are parables. And he told them a parable. God is very specific. He clarifies himself to make sure that there's no misunderstandings because he is not the author of confusion. So he doesn't want there to be confusion. So he makes sure to tell you, look, I'm going to tell you a parable, a metaphorical, hypothetical parable. And he told them a parable. He clarifies this. How then can we then presume upon God to say that what he did or said over here was made up parable, metaphorical, when it actually wasn't, because God didn't say it was. Don't put words in God's mouth. Just believe the word of God. Where you can't see how it's physically possible, that's when he did the supernatural. God is able. God's not limited. The word of God is truth. It's all truth. From Genesis to Revelation, what it says is what it means. Just believe it. There you go. So there you go, folks. God bless you. God bless all those who love his holy word. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.